Pat, can I ask you a question? When you grind your coffee, does it not bloom because of lack of freshness? I hope you don't mind my toot. I just assumed you were slapping your uh, Yusaki Yajimbo. I, yeah, it's, uh, I haven't seen it. That's all slapped up. You got it slapped? Yeah, I'm waiting for the next uh, 47 Ronin issue to come out. Are you sure that's what it's called? It's just not 5 Ronin? I found a 5 Ronin, <laughs> but not a 47. I think I, think I, got, I got a different <laughs> internet. Yes, I am I'm convinced. Hmm. You call me convinced. Okay, uh, first time convincer. Uh, how are you? I feel pretty good. Yeah. What were you doing? We went to see a, um, you know, we're still looking for the kind of office space we want. We're in this sort of shared facility and we were invited to go and tour a, um, uh, a, uh, acquaintance, I guess you would say a friend of mine's friend is looking at buying a building and wanted to see if we would like to be one of the anchor tenants or in some other way involved. Uh, so we were down and it, it, uh, it took us a little bit longer to get back than we expected because everybody um, can't drive. Yeah. You don't have to drive up there in uh, in San Francisco, do you? You don't have to drive. I drive, I drive absolutely as little as possible. Gosh. It's, and yet you I, still have that M5. Uh, that's my car? Yes. <laughs> I have an Isn't M5. that what you, what you drive around? Yeah, it's German, right? The German one. Bavarian is what they call it. Mm, mm, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's yeah got, so it took it's got a little snow, but just on the top. <laughs> it, it took us a little longer to get back, but we're I'm back. You, you think you're going to do anything with that? You like the place? You know, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a, a neat, as you would say, it's a ground floor opportunity mm. uh, to get in on something good. But well, Mrs. Nyborg, please listen carefully because I only have a moment. Nyborg. Nyborg. Patel. <laughs> I, I like talking that. to salesmen. Yeah. So uh, you're thinking about it. You'll consider it. Yeah, you're, you're, you must be sick to death of being in that place you're in. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's cramped. It's, t- it's small. It's cramped. And it's not... You know, the people The people I like. I like the people that are in, in and around here. Especially the guy that, uh, that only wears sandals and kicks him off. And has yeah. just his bare feet sitting out from under the pop and under the desk. Oh. Especially him. But everyone else is all right. Every time I see sandals, I cry a little. People in my neighborhood, they walk around, and, <laughs> ladies walk around in flip-flops in my neighborhood. Yeah, it's like 11 things wrong with that. I mean, it's, it's the streets of San Francisco. There's nothing on that sidewalk that you want touching any no. part of your body. No. Ugh, it's like they've never seen a dog. <laughs> well, Is you that the, talk- the Mission District or the Castro? Ugh, it's, it's, it's me. It's out here in the, uh, they call it in the Western, in the uh, Western neighborhoods. And uh, boy, people just do not pick up after the dogs here. I think it might be some really? kind of a competitive sport. I think it's kind of like Foursquare with poop. You get to see how many places your dog's left a loaf. Oh, and then my, yeah. yeah. Oh. You become the mayor of the KFC. <laughs> Yay. Oh, thanks, oh. Trixie Bell. Oh. Good one. Good one. You, I need to drink more water. Oh, God. That makes it a lot harder, you know, for the dog. I had explained to my dog the other day why a dog had the, the cone on around its head. Can you imagine how, how depressing that must be? First of all, I'm probably doing a stand-up bit, but it's so depressing. Like, if you're a dog and, like, you just want to lick your parts so much, and plus it sounds like you're inside a megaphone, that would suck. Yes, I, thought it was, I thought it meant that it, the dog had had surgery or something. Well, you know, in Bavaria, they used to use them for radar. They call them German Shepherds. 
That was in the latter days of the war, when it was all old men and very young men. The latter day saints, if you will. You'd know these things if you listen to Roderick on the line. I'm going to start. The last That's episode. all I'm doing over. I have them all queued up. Check this out. Because thought, every... Buddhists aren't supposed to lie, Dan. Every No, that's why I'm telling you the truth. Mm. Everything I say, by definition, is a promise. <sighs> so what I'm going to be doing... It doesn't even make any sense. Is during, over this Christmas holiday, when I've been abandoned by all of my employees and I'm here alone and, uh, and the, the no email is flowing, I'm going to start every day... <laughs> With Roderick on the line, starting with the first episode, and I will play them, and except when I'm being interrupted, when I am required to, you know, do whatever family duties come to pass, but I have family staying with us who I don't want to see, and uh, my goal will be to isolate myself away and my with my two new friends. Okay, I think it's going to be it's going to be. I mean, primarily Roderick on the line. It's a philosophy podcast, as you know from iTunes, but it is John is there to help people. And I think you will have many interesting things to discuss with the relatives you don't like. And you can always just put your headphones on and act like you're listening. Right. Yeah. In-laws? Um, my mom. Oh. <laughs> you think she'll do the line? No, I don't. No. No, I'm pretty confident that, that those days are, have come and gone. I'll yeah. try and get her to do it. Yeah, it's like a phantom limb, though. If you've got a really good catchphrase, <laughs> it's, like, no, it's hard to let exactly it go. That's exactly what it's like. <laughs> That's exactly what it's like. How are you doing? Hey, oh. I'm a famous guy. I do shows now on the tour. <laughs> even even your insults have become inscrutable. It's like you've gotten gone to some kind of mail order school. <laughs> I don't drive. Do you have concerns that the things you say that are mean make too much sense? <laughs> Try adding a little entropy. This Hello. is a new. That's a new. One. That's kind of my Doctor Nick. I like that one. Thirty nine ninety five. Um, hi. Good week. A big week. Yeah, it's been a huge. I went out huge. to. I went out to uh, to hang out with uh, with Mark. I dreamed about you last he, night. Come, I'll come back to that. Please continue. Uh, he took you. Me went, his, you went to Hotland. He went to Hotland. I, went, saw to, I went to the same restaurant he took you to. Did you meet Ben? Ben Stiller. Uh, no. What's the boss's name? Isn't it? Is it Ben? I'm getting it wrong. Oh, really Ben, yeah. Guy. No, I did meet Ben. Ben's isn't amazing. He, isn't, he, isn't he like surprisingly successful for someone who's so normal and nice? Yeah, he seems like a regular guy. Like he's, he's so like, totally nice and normal. You just hang out with him and then you realize after you're talking to him for a few minutes, oh, by the way, like, oh yeah, that's Ben. You know, like, I'm Dan uh, and I know how to get on a plane. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not scared of germs. <laughs> hey, and I'm isn't, that, isn't that a heck of a place? You know what struck me about that place uh, as long as I'm hijacking your story? No, go ahead. Like, isn't it neat? Like, uh, sorry, uh, first time painter. Did you notice like the awesome murals and stuff? The best. Like, I took pictures. that stupid fake.com culture. Although, I, like I told you, I checked the dust on the foosball table and it's a little thick. I don't think they play a lot of foosball there. No. A lot of ping pong. Mm. But, uh, you, but, uh, but uh, isn't it beautiful there? It's a beautiful office. And did you see the uh, stoner monkey that they drew? The stoner monkey? I'll tell you about it after dark. So you had a good time. Uh, how hot was Hotlanta? This time of year, it's pretty, it's actually surprisingly cool there. Right it was now, cool right? and very damp. You know, we're, hmm. we're, it's colder here in Austin than it was in Atlanta, but I'm very comfortable here. And there it was unpleasant and damp. Hmm. What are you eating? I am eating some taco deli as best I can off mic because I'm dying. Mostly dead right taco now. Taco deli is one of those uh, noun phrases like ass bitch that I just think will never make any sense. They close at three. Taco deli? Is they that close the name of three. Close, close the tree? They close at three. Close at three. Mm-hmm. Get in there early. Hmm. Huh. 
Yeah. Well, I'm glad you went. So you had a good time. You made it back. So if you're traveling a lot lately, Dan, I, it seems like you've overcome some kind of uh, big I, hurdle. Yeah, I have no it's problems nice. with it anymore. I'm proud of you, buddy. Thanks, guy. Mm, zip. <laughs> okay, follow up. Uh, follow up and pre-up. <laughs> Sorry about the train. Um, number one. I like the train. Um, it makes me feel like you're not just in Kansas City. Look at me. I can walk outside. Hey, it's funny. I've got a train because we use mass transit here like smart people. I had to make my own trebuchet to shoot me to the taco deli. <laughs> it doesn't work, and I live in Texas. <laughs> I'm in constant physical pain. Uh, <laughs> I have a silly voice. <laughs> Kaki people, bo, bo, people. My the, daughter can the poor people who have just turned in, and this is their yes. first episode. First episode. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> the, all you three are, of you. you welcome. Activity. Wait, wait to hear the rest of this. Jeez. <laughs> Uh, so first of all, I, I maybe um, I'm doing something I don't normally do, which is announcing a unilateral decision about the show. Is that cool? Uh, your show, but I mean, yeah, no, go ahead. I don't have well, I been I told. On, um, I was on uh, a show with uh, the talk show with Groobs uh, a couple weeks ago, and I we talked a lot about iTunes 11. And as is so often the case when iTunes comes up at all, I ended up going into this like complete like diarrhea of advice about itunes because there's so much stuff i do with itunes that i want to tell people about because it's all your me apple so- script stuff that you do i do some there's i i've borrowed uh what's that dude's name somebody's apple scripts i forget the guy's name but uh there's a guy who's made tons of free apple scripts that are great but no um i mean primarily along lines of understanding and managing what you have by leveraging itunes match and Second, doing things like creating smart playlists that, you know, let you manage things through the cloud and on your devices in a smarter way. But also the the, the real rat hole, which is metadata, because I'm weirdly obsessed with my metadata being correct. Do you go and like so, edit edit all the metadata yourself? Yeah, yeah. There's a, I'm a, there's a great site we'll talk about in January called musicbrains.org that I can put in notes. And I signed up there. It's a free service. that It's like CDDB-ish or it's like any of those kinds of things where it's got just metric crap tons of metadata about almost, unless it's a pretty obscure thing, I found metadata for almost anything, which is great. So it's nice to have that there. You can go and see, I click on Beatles, I go to Revolver and it shows me all of the possible like official releases of Revolver and actually a lot of the bootlegs and remasters uh, if those exist. Um, but here's the really neat part is they have an app for OS X and other, uh, we're already getting ahead of ourselves, but this is a taste of what you're going to get out of this. Okay. Um, oh, you mean our, th- this is, these are changes coming to this show? Well, I'm getting there. Uh, but uh, just to get this out of the way, there's an app you can get that is put out by Music Brains. Uh, it's Brains with a Z. Uh, I think I just put it in show notes. Let me see if I get the bloop. Nope, there it is in show notes. Dan, 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 where can people find show notes for this episode? 5x5.tv slash B is in... B is in bipeds, two is in two, W is in vomine. That's right. Because I'm, I'm not normative. <clears throat> yeah. People, we had someone write in uh, to the show over Twitter yeah. and say that uh, the uh, using the W for women was, uh, just, it unnerved him. I wondered why women have been kept down for so many millennia, and then mm-hmm. I realized it's because that's how we use it as a mnemonic for the show. Yeah. I would just like to apologize to everyone of all genders uh, for having kept you down, because I know I made it hard for you. Mm-hmm. And so... I restrained myself. Mm-hmm. But it is actually technically what she said. I know. So you get this app that works with Music Brains called Music Brains Picard. 
<laughs> you know Picard, like Professor Jean, Jean-Luc Picard. Jean-Luc. And uh, what you do is you drop your files, whether they're in iTunes or just on your drive, you drop them in there. And it makes its best guess. And you could tweak all this, like any of these cool open source apps. You could, yeah, I think it's open source. You go in and uh, it'll, it'll guess what record that is, and then you can correct it. And you can change. And it has incredibly detailed metadata, like composers, official release date, all that stuff. And to the best of its ability, it puts all of that. Um, well, first of all, the, the neat part is you identify. So I drop in my revolver. Mm. And, and it says, <laughs> oh, you mean the revolver, that crappy CD edition from the 80s? And I say, no, I mean the 2009 stereo remaster of revolver and now i can go in myself and tweak any of that to be the way that i want i hit save and it writes all that metadata all that it can into the files and i've set it to automatically add it uh into my itunes uh, directories uh including any art that's been added anyway the idea is though that i think itunes is terrific itunes match i finally got my head around and i love it especially because of how it works with Apple TV and my various devices. And so uh, I still think, though, for a lot of people, there's a lot of stuff to iTunes that's, to, to quote you know, what I was saying on, on Gruber's show, it's really opaque. Um, I think there's a lot of stuff in iTunes 11 that is not super clear. And I think that a lot of people, I, I suspect that a lot of people were, like me, a little skittish about doing anything with iTunes Match until they really understood like, where it lived. And so I'll show you things like how to make smart playlists that show you stuff that's safe in the cloud, stuff that's safe in the cloud but is or isn't on your drive, easy ways to basically safely delete anything you can from your local device without worrying uh, that it'll disappear. And then also just stuff like how to make sure that you know, you've got the best meta- metadata you can and you don't uh, end up with four different electric light orchestras under artists because one's plenty. Big fan. I am a big fan. So anyway, I, what I would like to do is, if you may, with your permission, I want to get, uh, they call this, uh, you know, generating uh, enthusiasm or something. Okay. What do they call it? A whisper campaign? Grassroots. Or, grassroots. Um, okay. Yeah. AstroTurf. AstroTurf was the dog on the Jetsons. <laughs> I think uh, uh, Jane Vanderpill. I think she's the one that did Wilma Flintstone. So anyway, <laughs> no, I might have been Jane. It might have been Wanda. Am I thinking of uh, Red, Scarlet, uh, Red Scarlet Witch? You're thinking of Scarlet, Scarlet O'Hara. Okay. We watched that in a hotel uh, a few weeks ago. It's very good. Gone with the wind. Um, spoiler alert. South loses. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I would like to do at least a two-part series in January on that. Because what's it have to do with work? Well, first of all, it's a terrific way to procrastinate. Yesterday, I, I got through. <laughs> last week, I did all of my New Order songs. Uh, let's see. Day, day before last, I did all of... ELO, The Move, and Roy Wood. And then yesterday, I finally tackled the Beatles. And so now, that feels good. But uh, I, I, think it, I think it is one of those things, though. And so what is the back-to-work angle? I have no idea. Except in as much as I think iCloud is still a mess, by and large. Uh, it's a mess we put up with because we're hopeful, and we want it to work great, and we like Apple. I speak, of course, for everyone. Yeah. But uh, this is one of those things where I think you can make it better and you can make it less opaque. So that's something I want to do. Would that, would that, would that appeal to you at I all? I would love to listen to that. Would you find that personally useful? You know, I don't have as much music as you, I don't think. Because you say as, that. You say that. But I've got a lot more than last time we talked about it when you said I had no soul. Oh, no. I think what I, I'm sorry. I think what I said was you're dead inside. Oh, okay. I'm, I confuse those two things. Don't mark on my misquote. It makes me so angry. <laughs> So anyway, um, and I guess, you know, uh, you can email Dan if you have ideas uh, for that. But that's what I'd like to cover, you know, uh, media management with iTunes. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's what I'd like to do. 
I would love that. I think that's great. And um, I think it would help a lot of people. I congratulate you. Mm. On my Beatles metadata. Mm-hmm. 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 So have you, have you done it? You've gone through the steps and you've taken everything um, music wise and you've put it into the cloud and it's there in the cloud and you listen to it on the Apple TV. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love iTunes match now and partly because I don't have to have 60 gigs on every device that I own or whatever it ends up being sometimes. But uh, no, I mean like just as a, as a little teaser, the, the first thing I did to get my head around this and some of this, I um, found, borrowed from and repurposed and then hacked on from things like, I think Dan Morin did an article on this when it first came out. But oh, the Macworld guy. Love that guy. He was great on, uh, Never mind. Maybe RFD, is that what he was on? I, um, for the very first thing I did was, you know, you can do smart playlists that are based on so many factors. So you can do stuff like say, well, you know, is this, you know, in the cloud? Does the cloud get this? And you can say things like, is this any of purchased, matched, uploaded? And so you can pretty easily see any of your music that is, you know, canonically clouded which is great to know because then you can build on that list in all kinds of interesting ways. So you could say, show me everything that, so you could build a second list that builds on that and says, show me everything that is in the cloud um, and is on my local drive. Right. And so you could go in there, select all and delete everything off your drive and it's all still safe in the cloud. You can get back anytime. And if you're on a MacBook air, that's a really valuable thing to have. You can build another list on top of that one that says, show me everything I've got that's over whatever 30 megs or something. Like, again, if I've got Godspeed You Black Emperor or like a, a theoretical six CD set by David Allen on there, I, I might want to zap that really fast, but know that it's still safe. So anyway, rat hole. That's, that's what I want to talk about. I think it'll be useful to people. Over. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a listener of the yeah. show. Thank so. you. Thank you for tuning in. I found out who gave me the Spider-Man. Oh, who? Can we say? Can we thank yes. him? I don't know. I hope I can say this. He's, he's seen, he mentioned it on, on Twitter when I asked. So his name is Matt Kilman. And he has the uh, the very cool Twitter name of Kill Moms, one more, <laughs> no, no spaces, Kill Moms. Your fans and, are the best, uh, man. Oh man, I've been you know I've been doing little different things with Spidey every day. I make him hold notes. I made him do this rap thing where he grabbed his crotch the other day. <laughs> and when you got sixty seven points of articulation, you can be very specific about where you grab. Oh yeah, I've been reading up on how strong he is, and you were right. You were totally right. No, I well I know I was right, and he's yeah. way underpowered in that movie. That last, uh, by the way, that's After Dark for the last episode. Uh, there's a place you can go called After Dark and listen to things that we say with curse words after the regular show's done. And we had, a, I think, a very interesting discussion. You schooled me on Spider-Man in a way that I found extremely helpful. And uh, <laughs> Helpful in that you can no longer enjoy the movie or helpful in another way? Well, you know, I, I've been getting really, because of, because of Secret War... And because of AVX, which not is Secret Wars, I, uh, Secret War, which I have never read and will not read. Well, you know what? Here's the thing, and this is the way that our relationship is going to be healthy and almost healthy and sustainable. Is I'm going to ignore so much of what you say about comics, okay? Because it's either so limited or so bitter <laughs> or so manifestly unuseful or ultimately so desperately, desperately wrong. Oh, really? First, no, I, I checked. I looked on the internet, and. Uh, I checked, but, uh, you know, you've been great at leading me in certain directions and a, and a real pain in the ass in, uh, in, in keeping me from some interesting places. So I'm going to look past that. I'm never going to look back, but I thank you. You should read the clone saga for, for Spider-Man. You'd love that. Well, I was actually going to tell you three books that I read this also, week. Also chapter all- one. That's another good Spider-Man saga you'd enjoy. I like, 
Are you go look about it up. The, the Track covers? those out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've got this chapter one for... Those are the, the highlights of Spider-Man over the last 10, 20 years. Yeah, we got the chapter one for Fantastic Four and the chapter one for, um, what is it, maybe for X-Men. I think the Fantastic Four one is really good. And I also really like, I think it's Ultimate Fantastic Four, like where they're in high school, like in Ben, and uh, he, he discovers, spoiler alert, he discovers the negative zone and all that. It's real. I thought it was really good. I See, I turned a corner this week, a terrible, terrible what, corner. What, into the Fantastic Four? I turned a multi-corner because I've started getting more into the other universes, and I'm oh. actually... What I feared more than anything, I'm starting to really enjoy some of these. And that's <laughs> which, which which other universe are you into? Well, actually, I was going to tell you three 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 series that I read this week that I like. I know one of which you really don't like, one of which I think you like, and one of which you probably don't care about. So, is, is that a good mix? Oh, perfect. We'll start with a um, you know what I read through uh, I what I devoured in that way that annoys you. Ultimate Comics Spider Man Volume One and Two. No, that's the, that's the best. It's really that is so really good. good. That's uh, I call the it best story. Brian Michael Bendis, um, Sarah Pacelli, I think, at mm-hmm. all. Ultimate, these are all in show notes. Um, so 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 good. Some of the best be- Spider-Man look, writing ever, and it recaptures. Well, you know, it's like anything where you're doing like a, not a reboot, but where you're you're taking a story that people are familiar with, and like, how do you make the discovery? It's a retelling of, your, of it. I guess so. I don't completely understand. I asked the comic store guys about this and they kind of explained it. The Spider-Man that you told me about, like, I don't, you know what? I, don't, I can't get into it, but we'll talk about that later. I want to learn more about the two universes. Like when he actually goes to the house and sees what happened. Oh, and it was he, so good. It's so, so good. And they found a way to work in his own power and responsibility thing, which I thought was very well done. And Miles is just great. It He's works. Such, his, his, story his, works. Roommate, his roommate, the, the chunky nerd kid, is like one of the best characters ever. So, uh, <laughs> recommendation number one, Ultimate Comics Spider-Man. Very uh, good. Came out in June 2012. Uh, Bendis and Pacelli et al. And it's very good. The other one, you ready? I'm going to fly in your face. I'm going to fly in your face like all a love right. bug. You ready? Yeah. Moon Knight. Okay, ben, first of all, like the writing on Moon Knight is really good. I understand the art. Because it's, I call him BMB, yeah. very, very long. They have to leave large white bubbles when uh, Brian is writing. Oh, yeah. But I, I just, I don't get into him as a character. It's not that I don't acknowledge well, that it's as good a story or writing. I, I just, this is, I am absolutely not going to begin to spoil just all of Moonlight, Moon Knight as a thing. But as a character, I don't know. I just, I, I, part of it is anything that I've seen by Bendis and Maleev is just amazing to me like i've got the giant daredevil and i think it's daredevil Mm -hmm. yeah the giant daredevil i haven't read that one yet because it's huge but scarlet is one of my favorite things i've read oh yeah did you ever did you ever look at it oh yeah but but like so i I sent dan a copy of this did you thank you you, you're welcome but did you um it's pretty pretty appealing huh oh it's i mean the art in there that's what really struck me more alex maleev is an amazing artist and the coloring on that i i've never seen like a colorist do that style before ever well you know it's i don't know what uh, it is it almost is it like a rotoscope style yeah i think i think he might base his stuff and this when some people do this it is the worst but like god please email dan but like i want to say alex ross it's still very much a beautiful comic but there are elements of it that are kind of like photorealistic but it still has all the flourishes and uh I don't know. It's still very comic-y, but it's got a kind of slightly chaotic, scritchy-scratchy, not quite Sinkovitz level, but like pretty scritchy-scratchy style, but it's beautifully done. And I really like the story. And I really liked Moon Knight. So Moon Knight by Bendis and Maleev, 
I don't know what year it is, but it's a, uh, I think it's a six issue um, one off um, that I thought was really, really good. And I got a TPP of it and loved it. And then finally, um, third, because we got to get onto productivity. I'm just, I've been enjoying so many like TPBs all the way through. It's such a great way to read. It's like getting Sopranos. Like when you try to watch the Sopranos like every week, the classic example or The Wire or Sex in the City or, uh, you know, uh, the one with uh, Cousin Balky. Like you, you, it helps to be able to watch them all in a row, like a crazy person. And that's how I, why I love the way, getting TPBs, trade paperbacks of these. And finally, I'm going to go there. I'm going to be that guy uh, and say something that everybody already knows except the people who don't. Saga. Saga. And this is a Syracuse. I recommended this in a DM to Mr. John Syracuse because it's a fantasy. There's no capes. Well, there's no capes. There's a cape, but I mean, it's not a superhero one. It's not an underwear one. They're out in space or something, running around. One guy's got the horns. They got a baby. Horns versus wings. Horns versus wings. And okay. I think it's Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples, uh, March 2012. Uh, there's a TPB with one through six in it. And number seven, I just picked up last week and I'm saving it because it's... But I, I, I asked people uh, last week on Twitter whether I should... That I was enjoying Saga and should I keep going with it and resoundingly across the board, people said yes. And several people said, you know, it's the thing they most look forward to every week. And some people said it's their favorite non-superhero book. So I just, if you haven't done it yet, or let me put it this way, if you're looking, again, I'm always trying to help people. If you're looking to become one of us pathetic people who's re-getting into comics, Saga. Um, and get get the TPP, because the trade paperback, because it's really, it's worth every nickel. Now, Beautifully I will, I will say, interesting I will, story. Let me support what you're saying. And, 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 and reiterate that everybody that I know that has read this, all the reviews that I've read online, everybody I've talked to in person, they're talking about how great this thing is. Um, they love it. It's like rebirth of the stories they love. It's got humor. It's got every, I read this thing, on uh, the first couple of issues it did, you know, like it didn't grab me. And I, I said, so no, I, I can, I can, it's, it's so weird. I want to ask why I want to ask why, but I like, I read a lot of weird stuff. I read all kinds of strange, you know, stories. I love, I love the independent books. I love everything. And I really wanted to like this. I really wanted to like it. Right. It just didn't, it's not like it was bad. It just didn't grab me the way that some of the other ones do. And I read, you know, like Fatal is a really great book. A very dark, cool story with the cool art. Um, you know, obviously well, and the, stuff, the stuff you read and really enjoy is very dense <clears throat> and very grown up. So, I mean, I know you're not afraid of not knowing what something means for a little while, oh, right. which, you know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's not, oh, I'm always ragging on Chris Claremont. He's one of my favorites ever, but it's not the whole like explaining, Mick explain, explain here we are mm-hmm. in Spain kind of right. stuff. <clears throat> it's like, there is a lot you're going to have to just go with, but right. you know, like the best Spider-Man or Deadpool or thing banter yeah. is Wolverine is like it's it's in the service of the character, especially Wolverine, especially Spider Man. The best banter is in character, and you go, oh, of course Wolverine would say kill them. That's great, but uh, same <laughs> here. I mean, there's a the, the writing is very crisp, and uh, the characters uh, have a lot of you know it's a comic book, so I mean, <laughs> but it's got a lot of depth. Anyway, um. But I've heard I've every, everything you've said is it mirrors what I've heard about. It, and I think it, it probably most most people probably would really enjoy it. Yeah, I would say, do. I mean, what I would suggest is if you're if you're not uh, totally averse to digital comics and you have an iPad, especially just go to Comixology and go buy one issue. It'll be either probably two, 
three one ninety nine two ninety nine three ninety nine. Go go buy one issue and see if you like it. If you do, go ahead and buy the TPB because it's a good deal. Uh, the virtual TPB. But um, I I feel I feel pretty confident saying that if you like comics, don't mind a little bit of extremely grown up themes and a little bit of just really massively gory stuff, but a great story um, saga. I'm also I also read um almost the ultimatum last night because uh, I had to know what happened with New York, and now I know. What about the movies? Have you seen any of these? Any of these movies? Have you seen any? Uh... Like the amazing, I know we talked about the amazing Spider-Man. You know what I just saw huh. while we're talking about comedy? <clears throat> I just saw the Dark Knight, uh, Dark Knight Rises. It's pretty good. I, like I, first, I, I enjoyed like, the I like heck the, out I like of the it. First, I like the first one better, but that's like saying, you know, you like season, uh, you know, season uh, one of The Wire better than season two. I mean, you know what I mean? It's, I thought it was extremely well done. I thought Anne Hathaway was fantastic. Oh, God. Hold as much as I now. love, call love, now. love the first one and love, love, love Maggie Gyllenhaal, it sometimes seemed like she was in a slightly different movie. Yes. But, you know, Heath Ledger in that movie is, he's on a different planet. He's doing just some of the best acting I've seen in a long oh, time. Yeah. No, I thought it was good. Now, what did you think about her physical appearance uh, toward the end? Did that seem a little bit, uh, she was in awfully good, good shape for, some, for a town that did not have major utilities or creams for several months. <laughs> She looked really good. I mean, she. Kept, Everybody else looked like a Dickens character. Yeah, she was she's, looked like she just came out of Banana Republic. I mean, that's the woman like that doesn't apparently need a shower. Yeah, you don't need that all at once. <laughs> so anyway, that's Merlin's <laughs> com- Merlin's comic <laughs> corner with two K's. So uh, I, I, I saw- recommend Dark Knight Rises, though. People, I've I've heard all kinds of reviews. Oh, when oh I- so we're still talking about. Is it okay that we're talking about this? <clears throat> you got all this. Go okay. ahead, Colin. Thank you. Uh, uh, first time. <laughs> no. Uh, I, yes, both of those movies are terrific and, um, and so I, different. The reason I bring this up to you is because yeah. you'll, you're the only one I know that'll understand. I believe me. I know the feeling. Why do you, why do you think I sent you a thing last night? You're the only thing, you're the only person who would I appreciate it. No, I know. I loved it. But uh, you know, the, you have two superhero movies that are so very, very different from one another. Uh, in, in, so, in every possible way, different, different movies and different stories. That was pretty interesting. Oh, they are, they're quite different. And, you know, the depiction of evil in literature has always interested me. Um, because when you try to show that somebody is evil, you have to show that they're more than bad. You have to show that they're more than mean. And if you do it okay well, you'll show how they are so unnecessarily cruel that you get something like, uh, I'm trying to think of a good example. It's not a spoiler. But, <clears throat> you know, Seven comes to mind, except I think Seven does go to the next level, which is that you are such a bad person. You deliberately harm people just for its own. Uh, Brad Pitt wasn't that bad of a guy. No, no, but he, he would not listen to Morgan Freeman. I know. Morgan I mean, Freeman, that, and that is evil. That's right. That's the definition of evil. Uh, but what's great about the Joker in, you know, in most of the series, but especially in that movie, is he, is like, you know, that scene toward the end with mm-hmm. the prisoner's dilemma type mm-hmm. situation yep. Yep. where he's so great at like capitalizing on the horrificness of human nature and making it into a, a terrible, terrible game like that. You know what I mean? I, that's what I love about him is, you know, I said this to Roderick on the last Roderick on the line, why I like spe- some speculative fiction a lot is the idea that human nature doesn't change that much, even when we get laser guns. And that when that's done well, you really get you get a deep insight into the the basic fear and selfishness of most people. And uh, 
Yeah, they're, they're very different. Now, some people disagree on this, but I think one of the best superhero movies I've seen in the last few years was Captain America. I thought it was very, very well I done. Haven't, I haven't seen it. Well, some people don't like it. I thought the Avengers movie was good. <clears throat> I still run kind of hot and cold on the Avengers. I thought those were good. Um, I thought the second X-Men movie especially was really good. Um, oh, that's the one with um, with uh, Xavier. Stryker. Yeah, Xavier's in that one. Okay. That's the one with Stryker, isn't it? Yeah. It's the one that's that's a... Well, you know, they're doing God Loves, Man Kills, like as a whole. That's the next one. Oh, they're really? Doing, Ryan Singer's doing God Loves, Man Kills, which is one of my all-time favorite TPPs putting that in the show notes. Oh, my God. How yeah, much would you so like sorry. it if Cable's not I'm in every s- scene, though? Kind you know, some like people are lie. very, very against Hope Summers, and it makes me sad. I think that's a shame. I think that's a goddamn shame. You know, she's the mutant messiah, so don't get all uh, high-fisted. All right. Um, God loves and kills. Putting that in notes. Um, did you ever read Weapon X? Oh, um, no, I haven't. I haven't read oh, that that's one. That's a tough read. It's a tough read. Tough read why? It's dense or what? <clears throat> it's, it's uh, what's a Windsor, Windsor, Winston, Smithman? Half, win, half Windsor. Half Windsor, half Windsor, Knotsman. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, boy, is it ever violent. It's, it's how Wolverine got, got into himself. How, how I mean, got, I know the story, but I've never read it. He uh, got done over. And it's the basis for the Wolverine Origins movie. You know I what I don't like is I'm that he's so got... I'm so desperately sorry, Dan. I did not mean to do this. I really didn't He's got wavy this. claws. I don't like that. Yeah. Well, you well, know, you see when he, they were bony? He's yeah, I don't like that. Why do they have to look like that? I've never seen an animal with claws like that. Why is that? What do you mean? They look like uh, like the uh, typical uh, enamelish uh, nail claws, right? No, they're all curvy and bendy. You're saying they should be more ivory and striated. Well, yeah, like a like a wolverine like, like or rhino tusk. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. File a bug. Can I tell you about something I like? I would love to hear this. Yes. Can I just say I would talk about this as long as you want? I'm extremely sorry for people. How long do we just, we talked a long time, didn't we? I don't care. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. No, I want to tell you about something I like. Yeah, Dan, I got to tell you something. Do you know about this uh, PDF pen? Um, this is, this is a way to store. This is really cool. This is an add-on. It works with any pen that you own mm-hmm. and it allows you to print and store uh, just like a, a mezuzah. You store a PDF file in, in your pen. That's right. Well, yes, I think you've got it mostly right. Uh, it's got it's got a uh, what's what's called a uh, USB boot drive, and okay. it enables enables you to uh, load a, a safe disk, and so you can command S to go into single pen mode, and that enables <laughs> you to bring up a, a prompt point or flare tip, and uh, you can run preview right from inside any pen right that in, you can carry right as long pen. as it's large enough to have a computer inside of it. Um, and that has evolved to this day into the Volume 2 PDF pen uh, by our friends at Smile. And they make an app for OS X and iOS that is, um, you know, I, I've said this before, and, and I hope this doesn't sound like faint praise, but I really don't like having to edit PDFs. I am very grateful that PDFs exist to the exclusion of facts more often these days, but it's a real pain. And uh, actually, if you go look in show notes, you'll see my little demo of this. Have you ever had this happen? Ah, has this ever happened to you? Somebody sends you this thing, like at the last minute, like, here's a thing, and you got to sign it, and we have to have it today. And you're like, oh, well, let me, let me just, uh, you know, uh, crack my buggy whip and have my Conestoga wagon take me home to my fax trolla. They're like, no, <laughs> like, I, let me do this thing and be done with it. But it's so crazy, like, you got to send somebody a form, and you got to go and sign it, and maybe you scan it. Uh, and some people know there are a variety of ways that you can um, edit PDFs. A well-made PDF might even have form fields, but most of them don't. And PDF Pen is, uh, like I say, it's for OS X and iOS. And uh, the desktop app is just, is a, it's a uh, juggernaut. And by that, I mean it wears a hat. <clears throat> it's very hard. <laughs> now, who is that? Is that, prof- that's, he's related to Professor X, right? 
Oh, the, the, the identity of Juggernaut? I don't know. You get a Black Tom? What did you call and so me? Which, hmm? Sorry, I don't want to go ping pong. And so, like, for example, on your desktop, I get this all the time. Somebody's like, hi, I've got to fill out this form. And then you go in and I actually add form fields to where the form fields should be, like a gentleman, and then I can type them in with my little uh, Helvetica Bowl 12 or whatever and make a beautiful form. And, of course, I can drop in, shh, the secret, I can drop in a ping of my signature and sign it and then just, you know, send it back to them. That's great. But what do you do if you're on your phone and some, some dingus sends you a thing and says, sign it right now? Here's the beauty part. It all syncs through iCloud. If somebody sends you that PDF and you get it on your iOS device or OS X for that matter, it's got um, iCloud integration. So you open this thing up, you open up this, this annoying PDF and you can just use your finger. You hit the little tool, the little pencil thing, and you just sign it. And you can see uh, my Thorstensen Finlanson document that I put up. I did that this morning. It took a second. I got a PDF. I upload, I threw it into PDF pen on my Mac. It instantly showed up on my iPad. I signed it and I was done. And the whole thing took about 30 seconds. So, you know, if you need this, you really, really need this. I'm not going to tell you this is the only app like this out there, but it's the only app like this that I use. It's got everything I need. You can do annotations. You can do all kinds of things. You can circle things. Um, and I, I really wish I didn't have to need it as much as I do, but I'm really, really glad it's there. It's like owning a fire extinguisher or, you know, good insurance, I guess it's, it's a terrific app. And I got to tell you for five bucks to have this thing on your phone. It's, it's just the best. So, uh, you can learn more by going to, uh, I think I want to get the address right for this one. Yeah. Cause they, they change things up. Yeah. I think the old one might still be up at our thing. But uh, you go to smallsoftware.com slash B2W, I believe. Yeah, smallsoftware.com slash B2W. That might still be Text Expander. Hey, look at that. Look at that Jean Grey McDonald, man. She is fast. Yes, I talk, just talked to her on the phone yesterday. Isn't she the best? Hmm. It's a great, great woman. Great uh, conversation. Great. And just a great, great, great group. Um, so yeah, go to uh, smallsoftware.com slash B2W and you can see my, look at that. I think they're using the version of my face with the very deep furrows. The real, you mean the realistic one? And then you can also watch this video that David Sparks did, D Sparks, on how to use PDF. Max Sparky. Max Sparky. But uh, enough said. It, this is a really great app to have. And like, even if you, this is one of those ones that's like, what? I, I think of things in the past like Disc Warrior or, uh, or things like Speed Test, uh, you know, uh, for iPhone. Like, there's these things. You may not need this every day, but brother, when you need this, you're going to be so glad that it's there. And having that iCloud integration, if you do a lot of stuff with PDFs, uh, if, you, if you're in academics and have lots of stuff you have to read and uh, mark up, this is a great way to do that. So uh, please go to smallsoftware.com slash B2W. It's available on the Mac App Store. Is that accurate? I think it's on, is it on the App Store. The best thing to right do now. is go straight to their site and buy it. Go to their site and buy it. PDF pen for iPhone, $4.99 American. Uh, and uh, you can just pick that right up. Great app. So our thanks to uh, Smile for supporting 5x5 and Back to Work. You want to talk more about comics? Mostly, yeah. Can we? Psych. I read so much this week. Oh my God, I read so much this week. And we're starting AVX over again, third time. God, I got the best kid in the world. So here's the thing. We're talking about uh, David Allen's book, Getting Things Done, and the system the, uh, uh, that you know it's named after. Wait, no, it's named after the book, I guess, probably. At any rate, there's something called Getting Things Done uh, that is a wonderful self-help book and... I think indispensable uh, productivity system for gathering all this stuff in your life and then figuring out what to do about it and then doing it. And so this is the third episode of this uh, crossover storyline. It's a summer event. 
<laughs> like every uh, summer. Blockbuster, and, uh, blockbuster, man. Blockbuster. You mean as if we're out of business? <laughs> this, this is definitely our last episode, right? Oh, this is the last one for sure. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, in show notes right now, you can see episodes 95 and 96 where we first started talking about this. The first episode, um, I ranted at length about like, why I think this really matters um, as a system and the philosophical and psychological underpinnings of why it's great. And then on the previous episode, we went uh, slightly deeper into basically uh, how you how you understand enough about getting uh, getting things done to get started with it. Uh, I do recommend, really, really, really recommend reading the book. And this week is where we're going to get into some very specific stuff. I'm going to skip a lot and go straight to what I think is the important part that we can help you with. The epicenter. We, mm, now how is that different from a center? <clears throat> epicenter is the true It's one of those things like people saying fingerling instead of finger or admixture <laughs> instead of mixture. Or, or, or they, or they, say, they, say, penult- instead they of say penultimate when they mean Final. greater than the greatest. Yeah. So annoying. The epicenter is the point in the Earth's surface directly above the hypocenter, or focused, point where the earthquake or underground explosion originates. I can do this too. Are you talking about the uh, talking about the epicenter? I can do this too. My my interest in college was always in the epicentral <laughs> distance, which is, you know, if you've got an earthquake, seismic waves that propagate spherically out from the hypocenter, you get uh, what they call uh, well, I call it seismic shadowing. It's on the opposite side of the Earth. Uh, I don't even want to get into P waves and S waves because that's only you, me, and Stephen Hawking will understand it. So at the epicenter of this is, let's get straight. So here, here's the thing. <laughs> We've talked a lot about the, the prologal stuff to this. And I honestly, you cannot grep out of, grep? What is a clep? Grep out. <laughs> grep. It's grep. The clep is something else. You cannot clep out of reading this book. You need to read this book. And to really understand the true epicenter of the system per se, um, you've got to learn about the workflow, like the five stages of workflow. Um, I, there's no substitute for that. And just to review, I can look at it right here. The five steps are uh, collection, processing, organizing, reviewing, and doing. We talked about that longer than I expected last week. But what I'm going to assume this week, um, because this will make it evergreen, is that, yes, you've picked up and mostly read the book. You understand the problem. I'm reading from an outline. You can tell, right? Well, you always sound like you're reading. Yes. Uh, Let's see. Point B, point (laughs) IV. Um that you understand this problem. And I'm going to assume that you have done everything from the fear through the mental sweep, through the processing. And now uh, I think let's get to the meat of the meat, which is like, how do you actually do stuff? How do you decide what to do and then actually do it? It's, you know, getting things done, I think is somewhat infamous for being, some people have called it a cult because you can get so involved in this and you're constantly telling people about it. You know, it's like Amway or AA or, you know, McDonald's, I guess. You just, you're constantly going on about it. But let's, I want to cut past all of that stuff. I'm going to assume that you're going to take care of that. And I want to get to the really, the powerful um, runway level stuff about this that will make this something you, if you do like this and it resonates with you, this is what will keep you doing it, which is that you will have a much better sense that you have thought through all of the stuff in your work and life in a, in a complete and up-to-date way. And you will now have the tools in place to do whatever you need to do at any time to be able to put up with things like interruptions to, you know, sort of unplanned work, you know, to basically, as David says, you got to think about your, your, there's the planning of work. uh, There's the work that you doing the work that you've planned. 
And then there's all the kind of unexpected work that comes up. And with this system in place, once you've made it through, you understand the workflow, you've done a processing of all the stuff, then you're going to be at this amazing point where you've done all your thinking and now you just become a pure doing machine title. And that's what I want to talk about. Is that cool? Oh, that would be great. And this is, would you say that this is going to be an advanced masterclass? I would say, no, I would not say that. Uh, Maybe, I think next week might be a slightly more advanced or we record next week, right? I record, I record every week. ABC. I, I'm, I'm fine to do it on Christmas Eve, buddy. I'm there with you. We'll no, do I'll a Christmas do it. episode. I'll do it. You'll be the only, yeah, let's do a Christmas episode. They call them jumpers in the UK. Lopers. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I think you're thinking of uh, Dalai Lama. Mm. The Big robes. Of, the grays. <laughs> How about, you know, a little uh, something for the effort? <laughs> and he says. Gunga. Gunga look gunga. Gunga gunga. <laughs> so I got, I got that going for him. But you finally that? saw that movie. Remember that? What's that? Uh, when uh, yeah, I've never saw it. 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 I went to the Blockbuster and got it on beta. Maybe that's why they shut down. Yeah, I, I think the problem was I initially got an alpha and it kept crashing. Okay, and so uh, <laughs> here's the thing. So basically, what I'm this is the neat part about getting things done is that it might seem like I. And by extension, David Allen and, and me misquoting. And by the way, I'm not associated with David Allen's company or GTD. Uh, but it might seem really insulting to your in- intelligence, as I joked about at length in the last two episodes, to think that you need some kind of a workflow for doing stuff that you already understand. Well, you don't need the system if you're happy with where that stuff is. If you're happy with the outcomes that you have committed to, and or so I'll say satisfied with the outcomes that you've committed to, and you're executing on those with actions that are sensible and in accordance with those things and that the larger values of your life are being satisfied with whatever you're doing, then you probably don't need this. Um, but I think it's worth thinking about because I think most of us feel those leaks. We feel this gnawing sensation that, yes, I feel like I know how to do my job, like whatever that job is, I understand what I should be doing. But there's such a persistent fog of stuff that I never quite get my hands around this thing that's out there, Mm. which is what I know I'm capable of or what I know I should be doing. And so this is my words, not David's, but like my belief is that once you get this stuff all wired, if you can make it through the slog of setting this system up and it can take quite a while and quite a lot of effort. But once it's set up, there's two assumptions. Like you understand what your job is. Like you know what you're doing. But then in accordance with that, you've already done complete up-to-date thinking about your desirable outcomes and then the actions that support that. And I don't think most of us honestly do that. I think we have a very general idea of something, something project and something, something work. But once you have come up with these outcomes, like you can articulate, once you have a picture of done, this thing that I want to have happen or need to have happen that will hopefully have a positive result will be done when this happens. Okay, I got that. And that's called a project. Now, what do I have to actually physically do in order to see that thing to completion or or to at least get it in motion or keep it in motion? And that is the actions. You have outcomes and actions. Make sense so far? I'm with you. Okay. And you do have to go through periodically and make sure all that stuff is up to date. What does up to date mean? This is where you get into the reviews. Wait wait a minute. You mean going through each project to verify that it's up to date or is this within the context of a single project? This is, uh, no. Well, 
I guess technically both. Okay. So one way this differs from a lot of old school productivity systems or self-help things or calendar mojo is, you know, a lot of places, and I've seen people write about this and have a whole system for like rewriting your whole to-do list every day, which I don't think is sensible because what you do, I think most people setting aside the stuff we talked about last week about how we tend to write things down, but then not do anything about it. If you're constantly reshuffling all those priorities every day, and that's what people tend to do. What's the first thing you write on the list? Think about retirement? No, the first thing you, you write on the list is like, you know, pick, take my kid to the hospital. Like stuff will come up that's really important. But if you're rejiggering that every day and feel disappointed that the stuff is still not getting accomplished, copying it onto a new sheet of paper is not going to change anything. You know, because the truth is that there are, again, to sort of paraphrase Stephen Covey, there are important things and there are urgent things. And there's shades all in between of those. But, you know, you've got anything that's on that list, like, is something you're going to do. And it's important. Otherwise, it shouldn't be on the list. If you have a list of tasks of next actions, this is the problem. Most people go, I can't do all of that. Well, no, you can't do all of that. But you can do some of that today. And wouldn't you like to just tick off enough of those that you made some progress? Or do you want to spend that time continuing to churn over all those things to decide which thing you're not doing should be prioritized in the way that you're not doing it? And that's, that's why, and again, little things matter. Just because it's not the big hated procrastinated project doesn't mean you can't work on it. As we'll talk about in a minute, you only have certain kinds of uh, opportunity, time, energy, and indeed priority to decide what it is you should be doing. But if you know what your job is, then you need a logistical framework for making sure that all that stuff has been thought through. If you have to keep thinking about what you need to do all day long, you're not doing as much. That, that's, that's the weird irony of this, is if you think really hard about what you have to do and make a decision about it, you don't have to do it right now. You could do it pretty much anytime. If it's something you have to do on a certain day or it dies, that goes on your calendar. If it's something that you're going to do, but it doesn't have to happen right this minute, if it's going to take more than two minutes and doesn't have to happen now, that goes on your task list. And the, the beauty part of, you know, when I started 43 Folders in 2004, um, the closest thing that I had to software for doing getting things done was Entourage, which, you know, was a real weird Logi program. That oh, had yeah. some, it was extremely powerful in a lot of ways. I could, when I was doing project management, I could create a new calendar event and drag contacts and, you know, basically do a little, you know, association of saying these people, these documents and so forth, all get dragged into there. The only problem is you'd get a, a three gig database that sometimes decided not to open anymore. <laughs> but I was always pining for some kind of a, a system that would allow you to have these two views into your work. Show me all of the desirable outcomes. Well, let's, let's just get the taxonomy out of the way. The desirable outcomes mean you have something called a project. When, I've re when I have completed this outcome that I have stated, and that outcome can always be updated and changed. That's, you know that. You can change it anytime. But you know it's up to date. This is still something I am going to do. This is an outcome that needs to happen. That's called a project. But then there are these physical actions that you have to do in order to see that to completion. And those are, again, actions or tasks. And so you have projects that are all of the kind of vertical things that you want to have happen. If you think kind of up and down, these, if you think about all, your, all the stuff you have to do for this one project in a, like a, a, a vertical list, that's all your projects. But all of those actions exist inside of what David Allen calls contexts, um, which can be an extremely powerful idea if you do it correctly. If you accept, if you accept that, 
If you accept that you can't do everything now and won't do everything ever, this becomes a really solid way to keep that stuff wired together. Um, and the, the vertical and horizontal is one of those things that makes it much more sane and intelligent to decide what to do. Because once you've thought through all your stuff and you've said, for example, let's give some examples of this. So um, I might have a project called um, Post Back to Work Episode 97. Okay. And my tasks in there will include... Final episode. Well, I might have something I'll announce final episode. I might have, I might have a project called, you know, release or whatever you want to call it. Put out, put out uh, latest back to work. I might even have a sub project inside of there called prep for the show. And below that, I might have a project called, um, you know, do show notes and, and post the show and so forth. I might have another task underneath those two projects called uh, post a Twitter to linking to this. If it's only one action, it doesn't need its own project because it's just part of a larger action. But in that case, I go into OmniFocus and I can have all that stuff captured into one place. And in each instance for that project, I can have it show me only the next action that I can do for each one of those. Because if there are dependencies, I don't need to know the next 10 things I can do. I just need to know the one thing that is a dependency to getting to the next thing. This is extremely powerful. You don't have to look at this giant list of a million things that you're going to have to do. It's just those next physical actions. But that becomes very powerful because if I say, uh, I got this big project called, you know, put, put out the new back to work. I have a, a sub project of that that's called prepare for the episode. And then I just put in a bunch of dumb tasks that my brain understands. Like great one. tip. Well, great tip from Ethan Schoonover, the guy who uh, created Kinkless GTD and um, helped work on um, the initial version of OmniFocus. Whenever you're going to state a task, whenever you're putting a, a to do, if you like, on your list, write it write a sentence, this, is, this sounds nuts, but write a sentence that you could hand to somebody pretty smart that doesn't understand exactly what you do, but mostly understands what you do. And they could mostly do that task without having to ask any questions. Now, why would you do that? Because if you put a task on your list call that says, uh, call Jim, well, at the moment that you put the task in there, you knew what that meant. You knew you had to call Jim at 555-1212 uh, about the Henderson report because the quarter three spreadsheet had to be prepared. You remember that when you wrote it down, just in the same way as you would never forget what these seven digits you wrote down somewhere means. No, why don't you think that all the way through? If you have a project, and a project is a noun, and uh, an action is a verb. Seems obvious, right? Well, you know, call Jim is not a project. Like, you know, Put out, you could even say something like, you know, put out, uh, it's a big verb, but, you know, put out a quarter three spreadsheet or whatever. You can have an action inside of that. Call Jim at 555-1212 to get the uh, latest version of the Excel spreadsheet. And now, why would you do that? Because that seems so silly. Why wouldn't you just say call Jim? Well, you've been saying call Jim for a while and you probably didn't call Jim because your brain went a little bit dead because it still had to think more. Okay, why am I calling Jim? Well, if that's the only thing you've got to do in the entire world, you're good to go. But what if you look at your phone context, all the things you could do on a phone, you see 35 items and it's call Dan, call Jim, call Sally, call Sally. Wait a minute, I have two call Sallys on here? Yeah, I work with Sally a lot. I got to call her for a lot of things. Well, what am I calling Sally about? I don't know but I got a caller about two different things. Well, what if you wrote down, if, what if those were inside of the correct projects? And so that's the two views into your work, right? You've got projects that are these outcomes, and then the tasks should always have a context associated with them. And what is a context? A context is a set of unique or nearly unique 
limitations, opportunities, tools, or what have you. You can only make phone calls if you have access to a working phone. You can only do things at your house when you're at your house. You can only do things on your computer when you're in front of your computer. You can only do things on your iPad when you're with your iPad. This all seems really obvious, but that contributes to the procrastination if we don't think through the physical action that we're completing. Like, why would you ever write update software on a list? Like, what does that mean? Well, update software. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, update, update iPhone software. Okay. Can you do that when you're on Muni in the tunnel? God, no. Okay. Should you do that before you're about to get on a plane? <laughs> no. Okay. Well, then <laughs> I would try and think that through and say, as part of my ongoing technology infrastructure project, I want to update iPhone at home. And I might create a start date on that task of six o'clock tonight to remind me that when I get home, I should start doing that while it's plugged in and has dependable wireless. Right. Do you follow? Yeah. Because, because why are you not doing that? Well, you're not doing that because your brain's still kind of churning around. Do, 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 do you know what I mean? And, and so we should, uh, I want to hear about something you like, but, but the idea, the idea here is this is a very, very powerful concept. There are these giant nouns in your life that you want to see through to completion. And then there are really, really, really small and specific physical verbs that help you get, get you there. If you put all of those things in the right place and then review it regularly, you're going to do a lot more calling of Jim and Sally and a lot less thinking about why you're calling Jim and Sally. Cause even that little bit of thinking, that little moment where you go, what is this for? Right, that's the hesitation and the thing that can lead to procrastinating and not doing it. Right. Yep. And like I say, if you only have one thing in the world to do, this won't be a problem. But if you are like most people and have 75 to 100 things that you're working on in some form or fashion, you cannot afford to have that ambiguity. And so we'll talk about some specifics of that. But first, uh, uh, do you want to tell me about this uh, Squarespace? Yeah, I'll tell you all about Squarespace. It's everything. Love Squarespace. They're pretty good. They're coming along. <laughs> They're coming along. They're working on it. They're putting something together here. Are you being balanced? Is that what you're doing? Yeah. You know, fair and balanced. Hmm. Um, you know, they're everything you need to make an amazing website. You use Squarespace. I, we use Squarespace. I use it personally. And we use it here for 5x5. Five five, and it's a, it's a fully hosted, it's completely managed environment for creating and maintaining a beautiful site, blog, portfolio, or a site that contains all of these elements. Uh, it means no matter how experienced you are with building a website, you can build something amazing and you can do it really, really quickly. You don't have to worry about where is this thing going to get hosted or do I have the right security settings or how is this going to scale if I get linked from somewhere? Uh, the templates that Squarespace has, they're really, really great. And this is, I mean, we talk about this. This is one of the big selling points is that you pick from these different templates. You can have this design. It's already built. It's responsive. It's going to look good on your iOS device. It's going to look good on you know, your Windows uh, surface that you have, Merlin. It's going to mm -hmm. look good everywhere you go. That counts for almost uh, 1% of my Less tablet traffic Less than 1%, these days. yeah. Yep. But I'm, I'm using it for sure. I know. You're excited. And it's, it, you know, they've thought of everything. And here's something we haven't really talked about. But if you want to later on completely change the look and feel of your site, you want to redesign it, you can just go and pick one of the other templates and it's done. It's done. And you can customize this stuff. They don't like for us to talk about it. But if you're like a real like Uber geek, you can use SFTP. You can switch into developer mode. Use SFTP or Git. And you can completely recode these things. It's pretty cool. Uh, and, and the structure, everything is set up. Now, that's if you're a geek. If you're not, if you just want to build something cool, they have this thing called Layout Engine. It's their page builder. It lets you drag and drop and create custom layouts. can integrate social networks. You do anything you want. Yeah, and, and the, the thing that must never be lost is the simplicity 
it can be as simple as you want it to be, right? Which is really, really nice because sometimes simple has a cost. Sometimes simple. Um, you and uh, you and uh, Money Boy were talking about becoming your own sysadmin and oh, having right. to learn. And sometimes you go by the defaults, and sometimes you don't. Well, you're not going to have to worry too much about that here, which is nice. You're not going to have to go in and worry about whether you have conflicting plugins. You're not going to have to worry about whether there's a uh, cross-site, uh, you know scripting thing that's just just arisen. They're taking care of that stuff for you. They're super solid. And you can just go in and start producing work rather than thinking a lot about the fact you're working on a website. The 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 God bless them, the medium that you're working on disappears. And it's a it's just a pure workflow of getting stuff from here to there in a really beautiful, easy to use way. And it's, you know, again, as always, it really helps to go check this out for yourself. It won't cost you anything to try it for two weeks. And you can decide for yourself whether it's uh, whether it's right. And there's more to it than we can cover in, in less than 20 minutes, but <laughs> it's worth as history has shown. But it's uh, very much worth checking out. Dan, Dan, do you have a uh, do you have a uh, URL and a code I that you like two, to share? Yeah, I got two things. Squarespace.com/slash/back-to-work. The, the spelled out back to work. That's where you go, and that gives this show credit. Lets them know where you heard it from, and also you when you sign up, ten percent off. Would that do? You get ten percent off on top of whatever else you, you get by using the code snowbird 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 <laughs> so snowbird so go to squarespace.com slash back to work and then the code is snowbird it sounds like one of those things in like a spy you know a spy uh, movie you know like the, oh, you it have totally a, a sound- code and a passphrase yes. the dog is barking snowbird yeah yeah if you want to get through yeah. the shield you got to know the current codes right. for sure so back Delta, to work, Delta Snowbird. over Snowbird. Squarespace.com. Eugene O'Neill. I think Snowbird. you're thinking of Eugene Levy. Oh, no, no, no. I think you're thinking of the, uh, what are they called, the Slotsky Brothers, or is that the place that makes the sandwiches? Oh, that's Slotsky's, yeah. Okay, and that's, that's totally, they don't have those in subways at all. Mm. Am I thinking of the uh, light rail system? They got rid of Slotsky's in, in Florida. Good. Uh, but there were still some in North Carolina, and I believe there's a couple here. Yeah, well, it takes time to make to affect change in the South. Mm-hmm. I would like to thank our friends at, uh, I had a great, great call with uh, Lil Ryan the other day. Yeah, we talked to him. Uh, we talked to him yesterday too. So Without saying a single word except yes or no, did you look at the thing I sent you? When did you send it? Remember I sent you a thing and said, look at this? Yes, I did. Wow, right? <sighs> Can we talk about it? We can't talk about it. <laughs> oh, we so can't. But anyway, our thanks to Squarespace uh, for supporting 5 by 5 and Back to Work. 35 minutes on comic books and then, uh, what, 28 minutes on the nominal topic. Can we keep going? No, let's keep going. Keep charging for it. If it's our last show, we should have a big blowout before we run the clip reel. Hope you had the time of your life. That's a good song. Why would you? Be... Actually, it's a really great point because it's a terrible song. It's you know, a good song. People on the, on the tutor are complaining that you did not toot out a notification. I to. did, though. I did. My phone I, went off. I could do. Uh, you want me to do another one? To, I want you to do all of them. I I'm want you to do it again. You got thirty-seven titles. This is an epic episode. Right there. Hold on. It titles. says here's what it says. Current stream. Back to work. Started at Tuesday, comma December eleven at one twenty-two p.m. Eastern time. Works fine from here. So, I also got the notification on my phone. Did you run a ping or a trace route? No need. What about an RFC? Did you, I saw did you... something you bought. What about you bought something? Um, a screencast. I bought two screencasts. Why? 
because <clears throat> I'm going to learn. Uh, it's it's that time of year where I go through this bipolar thing where I decided to learn Vim. No, I got your Vim peep code, right. peep code, and I got no, but it's the terminal one. I'm gonna I'm gonna really do the terminal one. You and Money Boy got me excited about the terminal again. <laughs> I'm really I'm really excited. I'm very regretful that Mark only has one more show. I'm going to miss that program. I'm, I'm really going to miss it. I'm really yeah. going to miss it. Hey, yeah. So uh, cross promotion. Be sure and listen. The last uh, build and analyze is coming next Monday. Yeah, it's uh, the 17th. December 17th is the final, or as you would say, penultimate episode mm. of build and analyze. <laughs> Since it's the last one, it's the penultimate. <clears throat> you know what I learned last night? I'll tell you what I learned last night. Uh, that when The Simpsons premiered in 1989, Marco was seven and I was 23. I know he wrote about this. And then you were not 23. I was 22, I guess. In what year? Uh, well, let's see. It was right after Reconstruction. So it was uh, 1868. No, what what year did it premiere in? 89. There was the uh, there was the Christmas episode, right? Oh my gosh, and, you you were that old? Yeah, I was. In my I was, last I year was 17. Yeah, don't have a cow, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's your, that's your original, Bart, Bartholomew la carne. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if that makes any sense. Lo siento. Uh, boy, you don't get the French people mad. I mean, I it's weird because you know he's like mm. a grown up, but he was born in the eight. It's weird. He's a baby knocking on his podcast door. Did we you receive? Did you receive the Armand family? Um, the card. Card. No, we haven't opened it yet. I can't wait. Oh, you got to open it. What are you waiting on? We just call him, we just call him Baby Adam's Daddy. <laughs> I was telling Ellie how sad I was that Baby Adam's Daddy was not going to have his show anymore. Yeah. I'm excited. I heard he's sending me coffee. I got my, I got my Baldwin's beans yesterday and they were good. Baldwin. Baldwin Baldwin beans. Baldwin beans. Are these the- <laughs> <laughs> Baldwin beans. Ha, ha. Can I ask you a question? Would you like are some you- Baldwin beans? Uh, when you grind your coffee, does it not bloom because of lack of freshness? <laughs> Beans too hot. He's back. Not smoky. Hi. Have you ever had a Baldwin bean, baked bean, rye bean, corn bean? Two of those don't exist. Hi. I'm Jason Baldwin. I would like to sell you some coffee beans. Baldwin's beans. <laughs> I roast them in small batches. But me, I'm Jason Baldwin. I got a costly roaster. <laughs> Baldwin's beans going in show notes. Thank you, Jason. It's really good. I, got I haven't the, got anything. Thanks for nothing, Jason. Oh my God. You're such a small man. I thought you, at least you know how to get on a plane. No, he sent them to me, but I think he misrounded them. I just don't get mail at my house. I just don't get it. It just doesn't come. Hmm. <laughs> you're so on fire power, today. You're on fire. Am I in fuego? Well, I got up, uh, I, 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 you know, I live by my calendar, Dan, you know that. We're going to talk about that uh, probably next week. But, um, I, you know, I actually have an arc for this. I have a storyline. I've written this out. This is not, like, going to be lost or something. Oh, like, oh my get... gosh. Oh, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before I forget, speaking of arcs, do you remember when you used to write music about me for this show? Yes. And then MailChimp requisitioned this. And that, did you know that that background on that site, which I think is still out there. HTML5. It, it, that that there, is a, there is a secret room in MailChimp? What? No, I never knew this. I did not. He I did not prod around. Room. You didn't see the secret room. I didn't prod the chimp planet. The, there is a secret room in Mailchimp, which has that space background painted and stenciled. Are uh, you talking about the swag room? Yeah, I didn't realize they have a heck of a swag room, don't they? That I have to be honest about something. 
is yeah. that the black lights that are in there gave me a headache. Like after, oh like damn, I'm sorry. Did you, get one of, did you get one of those little chimps, a stuffed chimp? I have. I actually already had a stuffed uh, one of the. Can I tell you something? Go ahead, first of all, I, I bought. Yeah, sorry. First time chimper. <laughs> I uh, first of all, I, I'm not sure why I've been wanting to try out Amazon Locker, and so I bought some uh, TPBs and uh, I bought my uh, wife a Green Phoenix shirt that arrives tomorrow. Oh, dude. Yeah. There's only two nerdy That's shirts. a gift for yourself. Yeah, it's like like, like it's buying, a gift uh, that keeps on giving. Like, yeah, it, I mean. it's the garter belt of comic book gifts. <sighs> yeah, this will look great on me. Thanks, honey. It's just what I wanted. Something lacy that makes me look like Bilbo Baggins. And so uh, that, you know what though? She wears, I, she wears on a regular basis, exactly two nerdy shirts. One of them is of course, a Jonathan Colton Brown, uh, skull crusher mountain shirt, which is one of the greatest shirts ever made. But you know what? I got her from the swag room. She, did you get the one with the spam can, the dark side of the moon with the rainbow? Mm-hmm, I sure did. I got my lady wears that and she looks awesome. I bet I look better. I'm just saying. She, she dropped some BTUs. I'll tell you. I do it better. Is that right? No. Did you get what? Do you get a small? A uh, medium. A medium. Hmm. And you shrink it down. Try to. I want yeah. it to fit good. Just like you've been swimming, working out. <clears throat> you know, I do stretching, isometrics, and mm. uh, leave-in conditioner. It's the leave-in you can believe in. So here's the thing about getting things done, <laughs> which is copyright David Code 2001, is, uh, is that, so, so to review- Why do you have to say, <laughs> do you have to say that? I don't want to find out. <laughs> I've never, all right. They're touchy sometimes. Mm. They're in Ojai. That's where Jamie Summers is from. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hang on a minute. What's the bionic woman's name? Which one? The bionic woman. Jamie, bionic Jamie woman? Ja- bionic woman. Jamie Summers, right? That sounds right. Jamie Summers. Jamie so Alex, Summers. Alex Summers is Sykes' brother. And then Jamie Madrox is multiple man. And, and, and Matt Maddock is Daredevil. Is that right? Jamie Summers. Jamie Summers. I had an Oscar Goldman when I was a kid that was awesome. He had an exploding briefcase. If you turned it the wrong way, they Jamie Summers off. is a former American porn star. She's sometimes uh, credited as Jamie Summers. I think Denise she's Stafford. got good hearing, but I don't think that makes her a porn star. It's she's a little been a contract performer with Vivid Entertainment. What are uh, you talking about? Isn't it Jamie Summers? Oh, the bionic. Oh, Jane. Yeah. The okay. Bionic oh, woman. yeah. Bionic woman. Yeah, bionic woman. Fictional character Lindsay Wagner. Lindsay Wagner. She lived in. She lived in Ohio. I remember that. That's where David Allen. Look was. at this bio photo of her on Wikipedia. Don't be creepy. No, I mean oh, it's okay. like. Oh, is the, it one of those? Is it one of those like it's so seventies? Well. It's yeah. got the it's got the hair part. It's got the sort of is illuminated still. with sunshine in front of a thing. It's a, you know you've got to have you've got to have oh Jesus H um, you've got to have like a free as in free you know copy to put up. You can't just go take like a a snapshot from the cover of like Queen Two and <laughs> put it. It's got to be like and if you do, you got like got to make a case for it. And when we joked, we joked about the the uh, the wonderful Estelle Getty, the late Estelle Getty, who I think we killed with our podcast on. You look nice today. Go look at that one. Look at that Wikipedia photo. Okay, isn't that handsome? Oh man, yeah. So that yeah, well that's nice. You can see every single pixel. It's like it's it's artifacts and nail polish. One of the great got it by voices EP. So here's the thing about uh, about getting things done, which is copyright David Code 2001. This becomes very powerful once you have thought through your stuff and you've got it in the system in the right place. Yes, you will need to review it, but now you are in a unique situation, which is you don't have to think about your stuff. If stuff does come in while you are doing your stuff, you now have the confidence to throw it into an inbox where you know it's not going to die. 
that you're going to come back to that. But you don't have to do it now. And if you do have to do it now, mm-hmm. you're not going to have that existential freak out that you'll never come back to what you're doing. Have you ever been debugging something or trying to fix some some annoying piece of code that's throwing errors and you're like, I, if I don't fix this now, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I, I don't like want to. Ha- you can't rest. You can't relax. Like, I'm not going to go to dinner. Right. I'm not going to uh, drop a dookie. I'm going to sit here until this thing does not make an error. Right. And somebody comes along and, and tells you there's cake in the conference room and you punch them in the throat like a gentleman, <laughs> right? You will experience mm, <laughs> a new sense of calm with this because, first of all, you're not going to have to carry around that constant weight of wondering whether you know what all you're doing because you're going to be periodically setting aside time to do that thinking. And then you're going to go and do your work. And if stuff comes in through the day, you, you throw it away. Now, how, what does he say? He says the models for making action choices. Ugh. The threefold, I would have written this differently, the threefold nature of work. He says there's three kinds of work. There's predefined work, there's work that shows up, and then there's the work of defining work, the meta-recursion work. But if you've predefined your work, like most of us are knowledge workers who have a certain amount of autonomy to do what we're doing. And if we don't, then we should probably be not doing knowledge work. But we, we get to think about how we do our work and then we do it. And then once you've thought it through, you sit down and do it. So here's the beauty part. You know what your projects are. You know what those outcomes are. You know what the contexts are. Have we been clear enough about what a context is? Probably like, not. Yeah, I, think, I think so. Well, contexts, I think, have the most impact on the kind of person who would read Getting Things Done in 2001. Like if you, like David Allen, travel over 200 days a year and it's 2001 and you can't do wireless on the plane, you can't use the phone on the plane, you, you know, you can't mow your lawn in the hotel room. <laughs> One of the great Kenny Rogers songs. I like that. That's, that's from like his uh, blue period. Taller, you gotta cut it soon. <laughs> you never mow your lawn inside that motel room. Everybody. Roasters. <laughs> And so, uh, here's the neat part. And this is why I love, I don't mean to just chill omnifocus. You can do this with things. You can do this with paper. You can do this with lots of things. But I am a dyed-in-the-wool omnifocus user. I had a small role in its development in terms of disclosure, and I really love them, that company, Omni Group, and I love that app. So what I love, though, uh, especially about omnifocus, I think they do a fantastic job of showing you your work modally. And what do I mean by that? I hit command one. And that shows me a view of all of my projects and then all of the subsequent tasks that are associated with that project. So when I go and see back to work, um, you know, put up back to work 90, whatever, I'll see those tasks under there. And I can even go left click or whatever it is, like, I don't know, it's control click for me, to say focus on this. So I could pick five projects and say, this is what I'm working on. Today, this morning, I plan, if everything works out, I'm just going to work on these three projects. So I select those three projects. It only shows me those three projects in an outline view. And it only shows me the actions for those projects. Why is this powerful? Because there are times, yes, when you have a, quote, high-priority project and you don't want to see everything else because you won't and can't do anything about it. In that case, yes, priority has taken precedence. Like, if there is a project you need to do, why are you worrying about that other stuff if you can't or won't do anything about it? So you are choosing in that instance the vertical view. Show me the outcome I want and just show me the tasks that are associated with that. Pretty cool, right? But then let's say things get shaken up a little bit. Let's say one of those things was planning for a meeting at 11.45 on uh, Tuesday morning, Pacific time. And somebody calls you the last minute and goes, hey, hey, what's up? Uh, pleasure weekend. Um, 
yes, I'll call. We'll maybe try it again in 45, uh, conference room. <laughs> and, and, and historically, you would go, nah, my life is upside down. This was the project I was working on today. Now I'm so screwed up. I, this is what I was going to do. And now I can't move any further because now there's a new dependency I was not planning on. Well, don't worry. You are no longer perma-screwed because check this out. There's a second view that you can go to in OmniFocus and similar apps, which is don't show me just my projects. Don't show me things organized by projects. Show me all of my work organized by context, meaning show me all of the tasks that I can do given certain constraints, right? So if your meeting gets canceled or like how many times have you been on hold, like waiting for everybody to get on the call? What if you said, show me all of my tasks under to Google? Right, so what you've, you've thought through all you've worked. Let's say you got ten tasks into this project. Some of them are calls. Some of them are emails. Mm-hmm. Some of them are errands that you yeah. have to run. Maybe you got to go by. Maybe you go to the FedEx once this thing is done. Well, if you don't have to go to the FedEx yet, make that part of a uh, sequential project so you don't see that task. It's not in the parlance of OmniFocus available because it can't be done until these other things are done. Very powerful. So if I'm sitting there waiting on the call that may or may not happen, I'm not really that screwed. If somebody cancels on me, if I'm doing the system right, I'm not screwed because you know what I can do? Uh, I'll tell you a power user trick for this. I could just pop over to command two and go and see my context. What are all the tasks that I could do organized by whether I, where I can do them? But here's the great trick. If I'm in a project and it's got a, like a ton of tasks, uh, I'm going to have to do this because only my fingers know how to do it. With a task selected, you hit option command R and it takes you to that task in oh, the nice. opposite view. So if you're looking at a task inside of this project, I can also, and it's, let's say, for example, I have the task of write show notes with a context of write. Or better still, let's say I have a context of email Gene, of email, email Gene McDonald to verify the correct or, oral uh, to use for back to work sponsor spot, something like that, right? Yeah. And the context for that is email. Well, see, I'm stuck on the phone. Just show me stuff I can email. I might take, Click, click on that, and so when I hit uh, Option Command R, that takes me to all, to just to um, the email tasks that I could do. It takes me over to that other view and shows me just show me stuff I could do via email. Now I'm not going to go too deep on this because I, a I don't want to turn into an ad without them paying for it. But but I think you get the notion. You need two views into your work. Here's all you need to understand. According to David Allen, you can do this all with two pieces of paper. Back, his original version of this system was one sheet of paper called projects and another sheet of paper called actions. We have evolved a lot since then. And now if you choose to, you can think through your work and organize it into these silos. But think about how powerful that is. And at the risk of rehashing, like I say, you know, no matter how high a priority something is, you can't do it if you don't have the right context. So I have a, what's called an agenda context, right? As in, here's, here's agenda items. Like, I'm not going to go bug my wife every time I realize something I have to talk to her about. So I have an agenda item called at Madeline. (laughs) It's really silly, but I can gang all of those things in one place. And the next time I see her, I can ask her all that stuff and have this answer. Do this for your friends at work and you will become like the Pope of of the office. People (laughs) love you so much. Instead of that whole like, hey, how's it going? Where's the Henderson report? Like gang those things. It's huge. Because here's the thing. No matter how many projects you have, no matter how busy you are, no matter how much stuff going on is going on, once you have gotten this system, you're going to discover, this is so cool, what does he call this? He calls this the, uh, there's, a, there's four ways that you choose what to do right now. And here's the thing, again, remember, we assume that you know your job, and B, we assume that you know what all those projects and tasks in your job are. Once you've thought that through, 
You're going to use your intuition to decide what to do next. You don't trust your intuition now because you know you shouldn't. Your brain knows that your intuition cannot be trusted. It is the drunk driver of your brain at this point. But once you've gotten this in place, you will accept that you will choose actions based on one or more of four things. Okay, number one, context. What can I do right now? Right, you could have a context called everywhere or anywhere. That's not super useful. But if I have a context of grocery store, well, I can't really, no matter how important buying that tequila is, I can't do it if I'm not at the grocery store. So you can either stop what I'm doing and go there, or I can put it into this list that's very valuable, which is show me all the stuff I could do at the grocery store, right? So context, if, I, if I'm not at home, I can't mow the lawn. If my wife is not here, I cannot talk to her. As long as I'm well-medicated, she has to be here for me to talk to her. See also Moon Knight. And uh, <laughs> number one, context, right? That is huge. I think far and away context is, is the biggest because you will stop stressing about stuff if you can't do anything about it right now. That's really hard to do and super grown up. And sometimes it doesn't work because your emotions take over. But if you can't do it now, physically or unable to do it now, why are you looking at it? Why are you worrying about it? Well, look at it and worry about it enough to take a step back and think like an adult and say, is there something else I could be doing for this project? It's not this next thing. Should I do a mind map to figure out what to do next? Or I think more intelligently, a lot of the time, well, show me all the stuff I could be doing now. If it's sharpened pencils, let's see that. But you still got to do it. It's not the most high priority thing. But if you're waiting on, on for a call to start, you can't really run away from your desk and go do other stuff. You know, maybe you want to update your bash profile. Like maybe you want to go uh, surf your ex-girlfriend on LinkedIn. <laughs> The Beach Boys is have that, a song. Is that what they call it? Yeah, the Beach Boys have a song about that. Surfing like, your, your ex girlfriend. Surfing, surfing your ex girl. <laughs> okay. Context number one. Number two. Boy, is this ever surprising? Are you ready for this? Time available. So let's say I can do something right now. Well, how much time do I have? Boy, Dan, this is huge for you and me. We've talked about this since the since the uh, golden age episodes. Mm. Is you know, being stressed out when you know you have to go home soon or when you, in our case at the time, like when you have to stop work soon. So let's say I'm really freaking out. I've been, and this is true when in big writing projects, let's just say, I feel bad about what I've done today because I thought I was going to write all day long. Mm -hmm. I thought that I was going to contact sponsors all day long, but instead I tagged my metadata for four hours. And now I need to go pick up my kid that is part of the hard landscape that is on the calendar. If I miss that, it's gone. And you know what I got left now? I got half an hour. Well, the, the pre-getting the pre things done Merlin man would just simply be late. Or I would sit there and feel mad. Um, a slightly more advanced version of that person would be to say, I've only got half an hour before I need to leave here. What can I do? Well, I could, uh, I could take some of this Puro coffee cleaner and go clean out my AeroPress like I do a couple times a week. I could refill these SodaStream bottles with water. I could blow some of the skin, uh, detritus, and dander out of my keyboard. Ugh. I could take the rancid Chinese food out of my office. None of these are things that are high-priority projects, obviously. But they're all things I can do now because I have the time available. Heavily related to time available, number three, do a, what kind of energy do I have? Well, I can tell you, dude, if it's three in the afternoon and I have to be somewhere in 45 minutes, I'm not going to start a giant project. I might make some notes about it. But to be honest with you, the even more advanced Merlin of today, uh, I want that half hour to wind down. Isn't that selfish? The best use of that half hour I could have is to quit stressing out and walk away. But you, you're, you're still allocating that time to something. 
Well, yeah, I'm saying in my case, You're I saying because, in, yeah, it's like it's like a, this page intentionally left blank kind of thing. Yes, absolutely. I mean, sometimes you have to plan. No, I think it was John Syracuse that said that. He went to Facebook and wrote it on his Larry Wall. <clears throat> I try not to get involved in the Pearl discussion. I heard. <laughs> context time available energy available now why is this important i think one reason people who are busy or think they're busy get frustrated I like how you mute the bell a little bit well it depends on how good the dinger is <laughs> you give me a good one that's going to resound i'll yeah. move the mic i'll move the mic dan just give me something to move it for yeah um i think this is really frustrating to people and this is this was uh giant for me to learn uh if you think about let's let's beat a, an analogy to death People talk about having a window of time, a window of opportunity. Like how much time every day do you have where nothing, setting aside your own procrastination and quote unquote distraction. If, you are, if you're a corporate stooge, how, how much time do you normally get without being interrupted? And in my experience, um, <clears throat> it's not at all unusual for that to be way less than an hour. Um, I discovered in time that I don't generally have more, if I'm in an office, I don't have more than 10 or maybe 20 minutes to just concentrate on something and just do something without being interrupted. So basically the task, the, I think of it almost like a big, like a two by four, what will fit through that window is something smaller than 20 minutes. This seems obvious, right? Well, I can either leave the building. I could go work at home. I could go to Starbucks. I could go somewhere. That's not where I'm interrupted. Or if I have to be in the office, excuse me, why don't I instead try to break my tasks down into things that take less than 20 minutes? Well, that doesn't seem like something a busy person would do. A busy person seems like they would say, uh, ID8, uh, Blue Sky Solutioneering, uh, vis-a-vis Enterprise uh, Nokia. And and you sit there and stare at that and go, what does that mean? And then somebody goes, hey, cake in the conference room, and you want to stab them like a gentleman. So why don't you break it into smaller pieces? Like, why don't you think your work through enough to get it smaller? Because that time available becomes really important. Again, you're a priority guy, right? You're busy. So you're thinking, I've got to do this big thing. Well, if you're super tired and you don't have time, like, why would you undertake that? So those first three, you know, context, time available, and energy available, those are going to have a, a huge impact on what you choose to do. Once you become aware of that model, you're going to be doing that all the time. You're going to be way less monkey balls because you're going to start understanding, in my case, I have a lot more creative energy in the morning than I do at three o'clock, uh, that I have a lot more time to do stuff in the morning than I do in the afternoon, right? Um, and, you know, if it is the morning and I'm at the office context and I have time and I have energy, well, woohoo. You know, I'm going to go try something maybe kind of uh, exciting. But let's go to number four. Yes, it is unavoidable. Number four, choosing the action to do priority. Now, priority in the context, sorry, priority alongside context, time available, and energy available. Well, now you can start to trust your intuition because you kind of know what you need to do next. You're not mentally combing through everything you could be doing. You know that without even having to really think about it, that of all the things on this list of things that I could do, let's see, you're looking at your context view, you're going to know, oh, here's that thing I could do first. Because actually, whoa, that fits all of my criteria. It would be, as we used to say, low-hanging fruit, which I always thought sounded kind of gross. But you, uh, <laughs> it's a little, and what does that mean? Is that a euphemism? <laughs> it certainly is. <laughs> you, ever, you ever seen an old man? Oh, like gladiator movies. Uh, so if it's low-hanging fruit, what does that mean? It means it might fit all four of these criteria perfectly. Please continue. It's just the airplane reference is really good. 
Yeah. <laughs> like a uh, like a baggie full of uh, baby carrots. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it might fit all four of those criteria, right? You go, oh man, check this out. <laughs> I'm supposed to uh, Google RFIDs because I have this giant project that I, I have to find out what that word means. Well, wow, you know what's really cool about that? Context. I'm at the computer. Bing, number one. Time available? Yep, I got 30 seconds to do that. I hit that page and I add it to Instapaper. That's all I got to do, right? Energy available? I think I can handle hitting four buttons. Priority? Boom. It's a high priority and I want to have it done. Tick, it's gone. You're done. Bring on the next one. Keep them coming. And, and you will start... When you do this long enough, yes, you will have to think about this at first. It will be helpful to have the beautiful PDF of this workflow up on your wall. But you'll start getting to the point where having done all that thinking, you can now focus on sanely and intelligently just doing your stuff because you know what that stuff is, you know how to do it, and you know that if there's anything else that you're not doing right now, you're okay with that. And if you're procrastinating, to to paraphrase David, you just need good stuff to procrastinate about right? There's big stuff and small stuff that you have to do. Some of it is very important and some of it is not. If it's very important and very big, well, then you need to break that down into smaller important pieces. You need to turn very large nouns into these very little verbs because once you've made those verbs very little, it will be very obvious where and when you can do it, how much time it will take to do it, whether you have the energy to do it, and whether the priority is high enough that you want to do that right now over other things. I'm going on about this, but this had a huge impact on me. The single biggest thing I think that I got, well, there's two sides of a coin, but the biggest thing I got out of getting things done is the idea of moving into outcome-based thinking, which sounds like business speak because it is, but outcome-based thinking just means I'm going to stop having this nebulous idea of what I'm doing and get more specific about what I'm personally committing to making. Once I write that down and I call that something and it's in my OmniFocus, it is a contract with myself for something I will complete in the next two weeks because that's how I roll. And, and second of all, though, the idea of the next action. We procrastinate because we know there's 15 steps between here and there. We don't know what those 15 steps are. We haven't figured out what the physical actions are. And we know as soon as we start thinking about that, there's going to be 25 other projects we should be thinking about. But wouldn't you like to be at a place where you had 15 20, 100 outcomes, whatever it is, and all you had for each one of those was one physical activity. If you can articulate that as a physical activity, it deserves to go on the list. And if you can't, you probably need to think about whether you're actually going to do it. Because then you just sit down and worky, worky, work. Now, getting things done goes much deeper than this. There are other levels to this. And next week, I think we, we should probably talk about... Um, some of the higher level stuff, maybe a little about higher level views and how to realize the stuff you're thinking about that you didn't know you're thinking about and then where to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's probably uh, mostly enough for the getting things done part. Was anything in there especially unclear? You know, I think now for me, as, as somebody who has read this book and listened to you describe some very tangible ways of using this in real life. It still strikes me. And the one thing that I said last week is, yeah, and you talked about it just now with the contract. It's, it's one of those things that really, really, really at the heart of it is based on that, on, on sticking to it because it's, it sounds the actual actual system. Yeah. Because it sounds like, to be honest, I mean, yes, I mean like listening to you talk about it and how effective it can be and how it can help you is very inspiring and, and energizing. And for me, it makes me like, okay, good. I'm going to like, now I want to go finish the book. I want to start really doing this. And then there's that other part of me that's like, it does kind of sound like work though. 
Well, you know what I mean? Like it's, I, it's I, work no, to do work I, to save time, but you're saying for, forget that it's really, really going to save you time. It's well, really going to make you be more effective. Well, you know, I mean, I, in my experience, um, this is just my own feeling on this, but it, it's when you share something with somebody that you're excited about, you can hear me struggling with this in every sentence is that, you know, you either tell it or you don't you either say it, here's the thing, or you don't because people are scared to have strong opinions and they're scared to tell people that here's something that, you, that you've got to do as a complete thing. We always want to hem and haw and do all these different things. But would you say that, that being on a paleo diet has had a positive? Tremendous. Yes. I see where you're going with it. Tremendous benefit to my overall and my family. So let's switch positions for a minute. Okay. Because what's keeping me from doing paleo is exactly what's keeping you from doing GTD. It feels too big. It feels. <laughs> I I know. I need to lay down. Now. I know you do. I, it's too much work. It's too much commitment. And I've got other stuff I need to do that would get in the way of me signing up for this cult. And it seems to me that the case you have made in the past is I can promise you that I jumped into this and I felt positive effects very quickly and so profoundly that it was difficult for me to think about doing it another way. And, and so I don't know if that's a perfect analogy, but you know, just for our listeners, it's, it's kind of a good one, but, but you know, and again, at some point in this, in this never ending storyline, we'll talk about some of the, the things that are especially difficult about GTD. And, you know, one of them is doing things like reviews, which are really important and tend to be really overlooked, but also the fact that you really do have to jump into it. I mean, I think what, what, I can't speak for David, but I think he has said essentially, well, if you're not going to do this, don't do it. You can't, you can't half-ass this. Um, and I think that's true. Like if you want to see the real benefit of this, uh, he says this on that podcast we did. If you go, go check it out in show notes, a really good 90-minute interview we did where he says the difference between 99% and 100% is all the difference in the world. Like being 99% complete with a project versus done, the difference between knowing that probably 99% of what you're thinking about is done versus 100%, it's yeah. all the difference in the world. And if you don't push all the way through and force yourself beyond the point of comfort to get to what's really keeping you from doing stuff, you should not waste your time. But with all of that said, um, one of the wonderful way that David begins, used to, at least he used to begin his seminar, I think he still does this. One of the early things he does is he says to people, okay, right now, take a piece of paper. And if you did not have anything else in the world to do today. If you weren't here, if you could make the whole world go away, if there were one thing that you could do today, what would that be? And you write that down. And maybe that's like finally finish uh, this spreadsheet that is late. Well, you've essentially, by doing that and putting it on a piece of paper, you've admitted something and made a commitment, the beginning of a commitment that's very powerful. Right. You've admitted that this thing was on your mind and it isn't done. And that's really painful and embarrassing. And it makes you feel guilty and stupid and incompetent. But the fact that you wrote that down, first of all, you just took a big step because you took something out of your echo chamber and put it out where you could look at it. So if you say uh, quarterly spreadsheet, okay, what's quarterly spreadsheet? Well, quarterly spreadsheet is, um, okay, I need to finish this. What do you do to finish it? Well, <clears throat> to finish it, I guess I have to start it. Okay, what else do you need to get started? Uh, I have to be at my computer. Okay, so if you're at your computer right now and you were going to finish spreadsheet, what would you do? I would open uh, my spreadsheet program. What do you use? Microsoft Excel. Okay, is it up to date and working fine? Uh, actually, last time I ran it, it wanted a software update. Okay, so you think it needs a software update? 
it might. I'm not sure. Okay. So maybe you, to, to get the report done, you need to be at your computer. At your computer, you might need to up, update Microsoft Word. You can see where this is going. You will discover, if you sit down and turn that from a thing that you feel bad about into a small project, you'll discover something extremely powerful, which is that there is a reason you're not doing that. And that is because you have not thought it through, you have not been honest with yourself about why it's not happening, and you have not made a decision about a physical next action to get you there. Because if you sat down and thought it all the way through, it would be patently obvious to you what you had to do. And the fact that you're so overwhelmed with all this busyness is what keeps you from giving yourself permission to sit down and do that with something that's nominally important to you. And then once you do it, you come up with something as embarrassingly simple as call Jojo, the system admin, to get Microsoft Excel updated or completely rethink the project. Do you still need to do that spreadsheet? Have you checked? (laughs) Did you call Mm -hmm. to even find out whether that's even still a thing? Oh my God. Kobe, Yashi, Maru, my friend, why don't you find out if the thing that you're feeling so bad about has a different solution than the one you thought was important a year ago? Because that's another kind of resistance. Your brain doesn't know that you're not supposed to stop thinking about that, right? You, I don't know if I put that right. But you know what I'm saying. You, like, it's, that's not going to shut off. That is, as David says, going to be an open loop. So you know what? If you don't adopt the whole getting things done system, I completely understand because I don't do the whole getting things done system right now. I understand. But what I do understand is thinking about what the outcome is, why it's not getting done, and thinking through that project to the point where I can articulate the outcome and decide on the next action. I cannot recommend highly enough thinking in that way. Making lists is great, but until you can convert that list into stuff that you've completed and are proud of, you're not done. The task isn't done. It's going to weigh on you. If you know, you don't know, you know you don't need to check your cubby hole in your kindergarten anymore because it's not relevant to you anymore. And yet every single one of you has an email in your inbox that you've read five times and haven't done anything mm-hmm. about. So tell me how that's not completely insane. It's because you haven't decided what you're going to do about it, don't want to decide what to do about it. You may wait until it's dead a year from now and throw it away to do anything about it. So you don't have to do this whole system, but if any of this is resonating with you, why don't you give this two weeks to jump into it? And if you don't have two weeks, well, you know, I, I, you know, I understand why you wouldn't do it. But if you take nothing else away, but I'm sure David hates when people do this, or I imagine. But like, at least get to that point of thinking about those physical actions. Because that, it will change the way you work so much. If you get away from finish quarterly report, well, what does it look like when you're finishing that? Well, it looks like me sitting at my computer, not doing other stuff, typing stuff in the Microsoft Excel from last year's report. Oh my God, I need to have last year's report. I don't know where to get it. And that's why I haven't finished it. Now I got to get the phone number of the person I get it from back and back and back until you have one tiny little embarrassing thing that helps you get something important done. Isn't that inspiring? Very inspiring. Man. I got, I got something exciting to tell you. Tell me about it. Okay. <clears throat> is it our third sponsor? Yeah, it is. And, and it's, it's, it's a Canadian company that we like a lot. And I realized that we have uh, an SFX for uh, one of their companies, but not for the other. So please tell me about something you like. SFX? <clears throat> That's a script talk for sound effects. Go ahead. Oh. Tell me about something you like, Dan. Uh, right. That's not for this one. Although you could probably go, go, make go, go, go. Hover.com, Simplified Domain Management. Say it again. Hover. <laughs> that's good yeah so these guys let me make it simple <laughs> you want to register a dot com a dot net maybe co dot tv i like those 
they make it really easy. There's a, there's a very straightforward process for this. There's a search box. You type the domain name that you want or a word or a phrase or a few words. You just type it in. If the domain you want's available, the little plus, add it to your cart, check out, you're done. It's simple. It couldn't be easier. But let's say that they don't, uh, that it's not available. They will show you some suggestions and they're good who, ones. Who will? Who will? Hover.com. <laughs> and uh, so you go there, you register your domain. They don't nickel and dime you. They give you free who is protection, which I like. Always leave that checked and that's it. They don't upsell you on stuff you don't want. They have real human beings available for support. Are they all Canadian, Dan? Yes. And they're all living? Yes. They have a no-hold policy, so nobody uh, puts you on hold. Someone really answers the phone every time. They've got DNS management. They've got email hosting if you want it. And uh, you can use the code DANSENTME, or just go to hover.com slash DANSENTME, and you'll get 10% off everything you buy from hover.com, including transfers and new registrations and everything else. So, can I tell you something, Dan? This is, a good, this is a good Hover.com. This is one Hover.com. You... Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Our thanks to Hover.com <laughs> for supporting 5 by 5 and Back to Work. Yeah. Sibilance. Sibilance. I got a feeling we're running long, if you know what I mean. Sibilance. Ooh, you know, that's not too bad. That's, that's respectable. That's respectable. Mm-hmm. Boy, I still got to go to the bathroom, but I got a lot to talk about. Dan, this is, again, this is, this is dense. This is a lot of material. M. Gabriel in the chat room says that Dan would have been a good name uh, if you had had a, a male child. <laughs> you sound like Luca Brazzi. Dan the man. Dan man. My father Dan used to always, uh, he always used to th- threaten to change my name legally to garbage. He's a funny guy. <laughs> right. I'm button this up? Uh, yeah, okay, sure. I mean, if it's your show, whatever you want to do. Consarn it, Dan. I'll talk to you as long as you want. As long I'm as I'm learning a lot. I'll, but see, I don't here's want the, the learning to stop. I used to be a speaker, and what I learned was if I don't capture the audience's interest. No, you got me. Okay. No, you had me at hello. <laughs> you, you had me at. You may applaud politely. Um, I got to get them in the first few minutes. I got to keep them for the next twenty minutes. I need to have made the main point that I'm going to make by minute thirty-five because. Anybody with half a brain will be completely 100% brain dead at the 40-minute mark. When people ask you to do like a 90-minute talk, I don't think it's true for podcasts because they're not really listening anyway. But when you're forced to be in a room, don't you think around minute 40, it, you, people start getting really antsy? That's you when you've got to, if, if they're not applauding or crying or laughing, one of those three at that I point. I'd love to make them cry. I'm so good at that. You are good at that. You made me cry. I make myself cry. I can, I can turn it around. I could take it and turn it. Do it. But I think, uh, I think an hour and uh, 42 minutes and let's say 20 seconds is probably plenty long enough. For this? All right. That's, no, that's cool. I mean, it's your went show. Over, went over a little bit. Whatever you can do. Okay. Want to button this up? I guess. <laughs> I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man. <laughs>